Hello everybody and welcome to JTV. Today we are joined again by officially YouTube's most popular rabbi and it actually happens to be uh, pretty much to the day, the one year anniversary of my first interview with Rabbi Manis Friedman who's joining us from New York. Rabbi Friedman, thank you so much for joining us again on JTV. And uh, we've spoken a lot before on matters of theology, um, Jewish, Jewish thought. But Rabbi Friedman, uh, if you don't already know and haven't seen some of the books he's written, some of the films he's actually been a part of, is a relationship and a dating and a marriage counsellor and author. And I would say expert. Um, and he has decades of experience in the field. And I thought we could do something totally different today and talk about dating, something which is pretty near the front of my mind and also um, for a lot of my, my peers. And it's a pretty universal topic. And I just think it would be very worthwhile as someone who's also gone to Rabbi Freeman on a number of occasions to get some advice. I think you all would, would enjoy this. So Rabbi, I wanted to just start by asking a pretend, you know, uh, I'm your son and I'm going out on my very first date and you're giving me a bit of advice. What, what would you tell me that I should be or anyone should be looking for on a date? What, what should be the criteria? First of all, tell me what you mean by going on a date. What are, what are we talking about? Are we talking about potential marriage? Are you talking about just filling an evening because you have nothing else to do? Looking for a marriage partner. Oh, okay. That is the first good news. If the dating has a purpose, and a realistic purpose and a realistic goal, then, then, then it's worth the effort, the time, the investment. If not, it's worse than nothing. So people really should not date if they're not planning to marry within a year. Because dating has become a life of its own, some kind of an alternative marriage. So the first thing is, when you go on a date, you are not developing a relationship. Dating is not a relationship. It's window shopping. It's casual. It's non-committal. It is not a relationship. It's not an emotional encounter. Maybe we shouldn't even call it dating because I don't even know what that word means. Maybe we should just call it meeting someone. You're having a meeting. So the first thing is take it easy. Don't get so heavy and so serious. You're just meeting a total stranger. don't have to make a good impression. It's a stranger. Why would you go out of your way to make a good impression? And then say, nah, I don't think I want to marry you. So what'd you make the good impression for? Just have a meeting. Don't, don't get all uh, sanctimonious about it. Along the same lines, 
since it's just a meeting and nothing more, you can be completely selfish, which is perfectly justified. You're not there to give her a good time. You're there to check her out. It's selfish. And it should be. If you're there to give her a good time, you might as well marry her now. <laughs> but you're already committed. You're already obligated. You're already intimidated. <laughs> you, might, you might as well be married. This is easier said than done. <laughs> well, because you're, you're, you're still you're all the price and you're getting nothing for it. Yeah, but, you, but at the end of the day, this is still a, there is some uh, weight behind the encounter because you're asking a big question. That's all you're doing is asking a question. Are you my wife? And if not, then it's nice meeting you, but goodbye. So, yes, you have to be completely selfish. That changes once you get engaged. Then you switch. Now you're completely selfless. But until you're really committed to each other in marriage or towards marriage, there's, there's no reason for you to invest in this. It's a bad investment. You get no guarantee of any results whatsoever, and yet you're investing emotionally with time, with money, with anxiety. For what? Well, just to pause for a second, there are cases where you ha you have to people have to take their time to get to know someone and see whether things are right, and what inevitably happens in some cases, in my own case sometimes, is that you uh, determine, and it does take a bit of time, you can't figure it out straight away, whether or not someone is right for you or they determine that. And then because you have built up a bit of a connection with someone, you've got to get to know someone and then it's bye-bye. That's hard. And it shouldn't be any harder than is necessary. So if you get too intimate, and you're sharing secrets that even your mother doesn't know with a complete stranger who's going to walk away and say, yeah, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> don't do that. Don't make that kind of investment. But you're right. You can't tell from just one meeting. So when you come back after the first meeting and somebody says, so do you love her? Don't be ridiculous. You want to marry her? Don't be ridiculous. The only question you can answer is, would you spend another hour with her? You should know the answer to that. <laughs> and that's all you can know, and that's all you need to know. And then you go, and you spend another hour. And after that, the question is the same. Would you spend a third hour with her or him? That's all you need to know. Now, as a result of three meetings, you should start to develop a little bit of an instinct. Can this be a marriage? Can it or can it not? So you go out a fourth time.
This time, not to see if you would spend another hour, but to see if there's something more there that might actually lead to a marriage. So nothing serious, nothing even practical until the fourth date. The first three are just breaking the ice. Now, obviously, you have your standards, what you're looking for in a spouse. The more clearly you know what you're looking for, the better it is. And it's got to be something more than a nice person, an honest person, a responsible person. Of course, that goes without saying, and that is not, that is not individual that's generic mm. so if you meet a woman she's responsible she's capable she's she's moral she's honest okay doesn't mean you're marrying her <laughs> it means you're willing to give it a shot but what will make you want to marry her when you find out that she's really responsible and she's really kind and she's really, no, you know that already. And based on that information, every guy in town will marry her. But all you know is that she's marriageable. Doesn't mean you should marry her. So what is it that makes you feel like, no, I should marry her. This is really the secret to it all. I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> and this is called good chemistry. Good chemistry doesn't mean she's attractive. That's again, too generic. If she's really good looking and really attractive, every guy in town will want to marry her. It's too vague, it's too general. Good chemistry means that in her presence, you feel like a husband, not a guy trying to flirt with a girl. You feel like a husband means you feel empowered to take responsibility for this relationship for the rest of your life. That's good chemistry. There's something about her that makes you feel willing and able to take responsibility for this relationship. She, on the other hand, feels, I trust this guy. I will give him all the responsibility for this relationship because I trust him. So there's a different reaction in the man or and in the woman. The man's reaction is, I, I feel up to taking that responsibility. And the woman's reaction is, him, I, I would let him take responsibility. Because I trust him. You're not going to feel that with any good looking guy, or with any good looking woman. 
This is much more individual. So you can go out with a woman and wow, she's incredible, but I don't feel like I can take responsibility. So I will introduce her to my best friend because I think she's a great girl. But that chemistry that makes her mine, not there. So what makes her yours? What makes you hers? She, she brings out the husband in you and you bring out the wife in her. It's not just man meets woman. That's generic. That's biology, not romance. That's it. If you find that, get married on the spot. Don't let her out of your sight. <laughs> and didn't you also say, I heard you once say that good chemistry is also, you feel comfortable be just being yourself with the other person. Yourself as a man. Right. And she feels comfortable with herself as a woman. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the next question is, if something is bothering me or a person when they're, when they're dating someone, what are the best tools to, deter to determine whether that issue A, can change or not, and B, whether it, I should even be, it should be a you know, fatal issue or not? Anything that bothers you is fatal. Anything. Or even like a, that her accent bothers me a bit or something like that. Yes. Red flag, <clears throat> there should be no discomfort, none at all with the person you marry. If there's a discomfort, you gotta back off or continue meeting until you find out whether it really bothers you or doesn't really bother you. But if something really bothers you, it can be the silliest, the most, the most, um, petty and childish issue, but if it's an issue, you don't marry. Because the issue is not gonna get better, it'll only get worse. So this is not the time to say, oh, grow up. You've had 25 years to grow up. Now you've all grown up and you gotta marry as you are. So if petty things bother you, then, then they're real. Oh, you shouldn't be petty. Uh, it's a little late for that. The problem is I know people that are stuck in limbo in, date, in dating people, and they just can't figure out, can we get to the same page or not? Am I, how bothered am I by this? Like they, they, are there any tools you can give someone to help them determine, determine the answers to these questions? Well, the first issue is, are you ready for marriage? I know you're lonely and you don't want to be alone this evening, so you're going to go out on a date. That doesn't mean you're ready to get married. So ask yourself, is marriage really appealing? You want to see yourself married six months from now? Well, no, not six months from now. 
Okay, then you don't want to be married. And why should I want to be married? Just to... Oh, that's a very good question. But don't date somebody before you answer that question. You're just teasing. She might be serious. <laughs> so you're just leading her on. You know? But if you don't have the answer to that question, don't you shouldn't be dating. It's not like I'll keep going out until I meet a girl that will make me want to get married. Not nice. Yeah. I'm not really in the mood for marriage. Convince me. So again, before we get back to the main question, what, what, what do you think are, what, what do you consider a legitimate reason or motivation to want to be married? And what's illegitimate? Well, the most legitimate is to start a family. You want to have your home, your family, your place, your life. And until you're married, you're not doing that. You're just being a boy. So that's the main, the main motivation. The more romantic motivation is you want to share yourself. Not with everybody. With somebody long term to grow old together. In other words, to not be alone, which is, which is quite important. So to start a family and to not be alone. That's the beauty of marriage. So if you see the beauty of it, if you realize the importance of it, if you really believe in the concept and in the institution of marriage, now finding somebody who shares that belief becomes realistic. But if you're not sure you want to be married and you're talking to a woman who's not sure she wants to be married, what are you wasting each other's time for? What's a bad reason to want to get married? She's gorgeous. He's rich. Bad reason. Okay, so we're back to this question of, you know, I'm, I, I'm in limbo and I've answered the question, I do want to get, get married, to start a family, etc., etc. What are the tools to determine this issue that I just can't figure out and I just need to do one more date and one more date and one more date, but I just can't crack it. I just see time and again, people I know of that uh, get, fall into this, this issue. Well, it could be that the marriage issue is not resolved only superficially, right? Or you haven't met your wife. That's possible. Because there's only one wife. And there are a lot of girls out there. So yeah, you may meet 10 or 12 before you find her. So don't get impatient. No, no, I mean, I'm talking about if you're if there's one particular person you're seeing, and you just keep going out with that particular person, but can't determine whether you're comfortable or not comfortable with whatever the issue is. Yeah. <clears throat> so again, if there's something about her that makes you a little uncomfortable, don't marry her. 
But what about thinking maybe if I give it time? No, 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 no. Because? You're getting into a trap. Why? Because marriage should be wholehearted enthusiastic, not I hope for the best. <laughs> but you're not getting married, you're just dating more. Okay, fine. But don't, don't, don't start thinking marriage as long as you are uncomfortable with something about her. And don't convince yourselves that it's petty and you shouldn't worry about it or you shouldn't care about it. The fact is you do. And what do you think is an, uh, an uh, unwise amount of time to be in limbo on a question? Yes. Three months, if you haven't made a decision, call it off. Is that, where, where do you get that amount of time from? Is that just from experience? Is that from a Pasuk in the Torah? Or I, mean... I just picked it out of my hat. <laughs> Obviously, it's not fixed in stone. But around three months, that's, that's enough. Three years? That's crazy. Should never happen. Because at the end of three years, you don't need to decide to marry. You need to decide whether to get divorced. Because for all practical purposes, you are married. And what do you think from your many years of experience, um, you know, giving advice to people, what are some of the most avoidable mistakes that you see people making in dating? The first thing is don't fall in love. Stop with the love. That's so Hollywood. It's so plastic. It's so, it's so superficial. You don't marry for love. You're not looking for love. And if you are, <laughs> marriage is not your solution. If you're looking for love, go back to your mother. <laughs> she don't want you. That's a whole different problem. <laughs> I'm serious. If your mother doesn't love you, getting married isn't going to help. Getting love from a spouse is not going to make up for the love you didn't get. So you're not love starved. You're not looking for marriage to heal you. You're going into the marriage healthy, not needy. So if you are desperately in love, walk away. You should be married without any strings attached, no emotional entanglements. It should be a clear, uh, reasonable, reasoned decision. But isn't some of the feeling of like, you know, when you fall in love and or, or you really feel deep emotions about, about a person and feel somewhat, I guess, you know, now vulnerable to them, in need of them, passionate, maybe even a bit jealous towards them in like, in a way. It, it, 
is isn't some of that a good thing? Isn't that sort of what lights the the fire of a, of a relationship in a way? Like, don't you need a bit of that? I don't want to call it Hollywood, but that kind of excitement that I wouldn't want to, you know, wouldn't want to lose this, and I feel in some way enhanced and yes, yeah, somewhat vulnerable, somewhat in need of that person. Is that is that so terrible? I'm going to call it terrible because everybody thinks it's wonderful. <laughs> so just to create a contrast, I'm going to call it terrible. It's not, it's not good. That's not what it's all about. You, it's you, not about finding the love of your life. That is such a frustrating pursuit. Are you the love of my life? I think so. Well, I don't love you anymore. That was last week. No, that's way no too room for passion. No room for passion in dating uh, relationships, marriage. Well, first of all, the passion should be in getting married, because that's all you really are, are are capable of achieving. You can't make yourself fall in love. So then you're like a victim of circumstances it either happens to you or it doesn't happen to you because you're the unlucky one <laughs> that's a horrible place to put yourself in hey how come i don't fall in love probably because you're looking for it <laughs> i mean what woman is going to marry you if you say can you love me that's it it's over she's out of there as soon as she senses you're looking for love, she'll run. She should run. You're looking for a mommy. No, love, love is a killer. It destroys even good, healthy relationships. Because it's so, it's so, it's really artificial. It's so, it's so contrived. It is not natural. Oh yeah, when you fall in love, it's completely natural. No, it's completely random. Is that what you mean by natural? It's not natural. Sexual attraction is natural. It's not a love affair and it's not marriage. It's just sex. In fact, marriage is very unnatural. Two people committed to each other for the rest of their lives, tell me that's natural. Not at all. It's divine. So love will kill everything. This couple asked me to do the wedding for them because they want to get married they're very much in love. I said, you're in love? They said, yes. I said, well, then it's too late. Can't get married now. They said, what do you mean? I said, you already have the love. What do you need the marriage for? You're getting married for love and you already have it. So what are you doing? Well, we want to make a commitment. Yeah. A commitment to what? To love each other for all time. 
You can't promise that. That that's a that's a vow made in vain. You can't promise to love me forever. You can promise to stay married to me even when you don't love me. Yeah, but you have no intentions of doing that. Because <laughs> you're getting married for the love. If the love goes, you're going to go. So commitment to what? To paying bills? No. If you're marrying for love and you're already in love, what are you, what are you doing? You just want to make an announcement to the whole world that you're in love? So send out cards. Hey, we're in love. You can stay home. Because <laughs> you're not invited to the love. Okay, so if we can get love out of the way. I was about to ask, so what, 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 what next? The way it works is like this. I mean, just, just logically and, and naturally, you love something because of its significance and importance. A good-looking girl, what are you loving? What are you loving? It's like loving a painting. It's not a relationship. When someone is significant in your life, love is appropriate. <clears throat> so love is the flavor or the spirit in which you engage in meaningful relationships. Love does not make it meaningful. Love makes it enjoyable. But I enjoy you. Not exactly romantic. Today I don't enjoy you. You're not so enjoyable. Which inevitably happens in any, any relationship. Like it's just, it goes through waves. Right, but not the relationship itself. The enjoyment rises and falls, you know, peaks and, and, and valleys, but not the relationship. We're married, and we're not married. Yeah, we are married. No, we're not married. That's crazy. But the person I'm married to is getting on my nerves. Yeah, very possible. Even to the point where you might say you don't even love them? Yes. Right. The same with children, by the way. I don't buy this unconditional love business. You can't. You can't love someone unconditionally. I think some, I mean, I, I actually spoke to my grandfather the other week and I said to him, would you love, would you love me unconditionally regardless of what I did? And he said, yes, because you're my grandson. I said, well, even if I became a serial killer, he said, I don't want to tell you, I would still love you. You're my, you're, because you're my grandson. So there's a built-in contradiction there. You ask, would you love me? He says, yeah, you're my grandson. And what does that got to do with love? 
yes, I am your grandson. And there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> but that means you love me? Yes, you are my grandson. That's unconditional. Of course, it's unconditional. It's a fact. Facts are unconditional. Feelings, on the other hand, can never be unconditional or they stop being feelings. I love you the same no matter what you do. You need therapy. You can't possibly, that's not an emotion, that's a fixation. So the person who is most important in your life, you can love him one day and hate him the next and then love him again. And that's the nature of emotions, especially love. It's fickle. That's what makes it exciting. Right. In other words, actually, the, the closer the relationship, the more volatile the feelings, right? You only hurt the one you love. Yeah, but the relationship itself should never be fickle. He loves me, he loves me not. Okay. We're married, no, we're not. No, that, that, <laughs> that can't be. Right, right. So you are his grandson. You will always be his grandson. And that relationship is significant. So if you get into trouble, he, he will feel it. Even if he hates you. Because you're my grandson. So we are somehow bonded, like with an umbilical cord, permanently, unconditionally. But do I like you? Not like this. Not right now. And the same with parents. So parents who, who, who insist that they love their children unconditionally, it's not correct. But, but you, are, you, you are their parent unconditionally. But there is still, I feel like there is, when my grand, grandfather was saying that, there was some level of like, there is a love there, like an, an, just an, un, an unconditional being prepared to be there for you. That presumably do, is, is somewhat feeling love-based and not just because of who you are. Yes, the, the love kind of piggybacks on the relationship. Since we are related forever, and I can't get rid of you, I might as well like you, <laughs> get a little benefit out of this relationship. But, but there's some truth to that. If you are mine, and we are fatally joined to each other, the right thing to do is to love you. Wow. So you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Because love is so important? No, because God is so important. And you should love your fellow Jew as yourself. Ah, love makes the world go round. No, it doesn't. You love your fellow Jew because hey, he's your fellow Jew.
So even when you hate him, you're stuck with him. So love is the appropriate feeling for a relationship that is significant. But what makes it significant? Not love. That is so arrogant and, and dangerous. My love makes you important. How, how narcissistic is that? My love makes you important. When I stop loving you, you're garbage again. I mean, the whole the thought of that is just so distasteful. Oh, but I, but I love you. So, also this crazy idea that you will fall in love with one woman your entire life. You're not a very nice person. In 80 years, you're going to love one woman? That's it. That's your, that's your uh, full capacity of love. You should love lots of people. Doesn't mean you marry them. So really, what, what has love got to do with it? We're talking about marriage. We're talking about family. We're talking about a life. What's love got to do with it? Have you found that sometimes just these very misconceptions about what marriage is, about what love is, actually leads to breakdown of marriages and relationships? And it's all, all that's required is just a perspective shift. Yes. Yes, amazing. If you marry for love, and let's admit it, if you marry for love, you're married to the love, not to the person you're loving. It's horrible. I mean, if you break it down, it really, it, it's, it's frightening. I love you and I wanna love you forever. And I want you to love me forever. So let's get married to each other. It's a ridiculous notion. I don't wanna marry you I want to marry your love. So we get married and we love each other immensely. But you also have an opinion. And I didn't marry you for your opinion. So you're getting on my nerves. You also have moods and needs and a personality. Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> that was not the deal. The deal was... I give you love, you give me love. I didn't ask for your opinion or for your needs or for your moods or for your personality. So leave that out, please. Which means I don't want a human being. I just want love. It's so nasty. It's very much like saying, I wanna marry you for your money. I don't really want the rest of you, just the money. I want the love. I didn't agree to stay married to your moods. 
So if the love goes, it's not that we'll get divorced. We are divorced. I was never married to you. I was married to the money and the money went someplace else. I'm going to follow it. What about us? <laughs> what about us? There was no us. Remember that popular song? Uh, if you love pina colada and walks in the rain. Oh yeah, let's get married because we both love pina colada and walks in the rain. Well, what about the rest of me? No, 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 no not the rest of you, just that. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's cruel and unusual punishment to say, just, just the love, okay? Just, just the love. Not the rest of you. You're really making me realize just how, how brainwashed we are in society today or mis, misinformed about what we should expect from uh, relationships. I want to shift in a second to the whole question of boyfriend, girlfriend, dating before you're ready to get married. But there's one final question on dating with a name to get married and something I'm speaking from a bit of personal experience here. Your whole thing about sort of saying, you know, three months and you should know. I've sometimes found that checking in too much with how long it's been going for and, and putting, you know, rigid time limits on yourself or on the other person can sometimes create um, stormy weather for actually building in a relaxed, natural way. Um, so do you think there's a, a truth behind being somewhat, not necessarily, uh, like somewhat balanced or, or flexible on, on that matter? or not always sort of checking, checking in on that because it can create unnecessary tension. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a matter of being rigid. On the contrary, I'm saying be flexible. Give it three months, and if it doesn't happen, walk away. Don't get stuck. It's very much like you're looking for a certain shoe a certain style, a certain color, and a certain size. You go into the shoe store and you ask them for that shoe and they don't have it. So you come back the next day. And then the next day. For three months. You think maybe you should stop already? It's not being rigid. It's being reasonable. They don't have your shoe. Go look someplace else. <laughs> so, are you my wife? Are you my wife? Today, today, are you my wife? Stop already. She's not your style and not your color and not your, your size. Walk away. Right. And you, you can do it before three months. You can do it after four dates. No, this isn't it. But some, the truth is sometimes surprises do pop up, but you're right, it doesn't take actually that long before you pretty much build a significant picture, at least from my experience. Um, I want to talk a bit about um, boyfriends and girls. Let me just, just mention this. Let's say you date somebody for three years, which is kind of typical, which means you're living together, you're acting married, you're agonizing over everything like you're married. And then you decide, no, I'm not going to marry you. 
in almost every case, that's what you decided after the third date. And it just didn't change. But that decision was there after the third date, in most cases. And if you do marry, that decision was there after the third date. In other words, after a third date, you pretty much know. So I wanted to ask about, let's say, we'll talk about school kids in a second or people sort of in their late teens, very, very early 20s. But let's say mature adults who are early, mid 20s onwards and they decide I don't want to get married anytime soon, but I want to have a, a relationship with someone. Um, whether or not it will lead to marriage or not, I don't know. I'm not thinking about it right now. Is there anything problemat problematic in, in, in doing that? Yeah. First of all, it's disrespectful. To whom? What if, both, what if both parties are consenting and agree that this is what they want to do? Mutually disrespectful. <laughs> Make a good couple. To say, I just want to be friends with you, a man saying that to a woman, it is disrespectful. It's like ignoring the fact that she's a woman. That's nasty. It's like an anti-Semite saying to me, I'm not, I'm not fond of Jews. I, I have a problem with Jews, but you're different. With you, we can be friends. You know, I, I don't even think of you as a Jew. And you want to be friends? With whom? If you don't think of me as a Jew, then what do you think of me? So whoever you want to be friends with, it's not me. So for a man to say to a woman, I just want to be friends, like, you know, like you're not even a woman. That's a friendship. And why is it only that way? What about the woman towards the like? Your... Same thing in reverse. Oh, we can be friends because I don't think of you as a man. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I love you. No, it's horrible. So if you're going to have any kind of relationship, it should be in the awareness of your gender. So if you're going to be her friend, you're going to have a woman friend, not a platonic friend. Platonic is ugly, dismissive, can't even call it a friend. So unless you are respectful of the fact that she's a woman and therefore behave differently than you would with a male friend, then you're not really being a friend. And why does differently have to be asking the question of are we going to commit towards a lifetime of marriage. No, no, no. Even if without not without that, you're not going to share a, a tent out in the wilderness with a woman the way you would with a guy. Why? Because she's a woman. No, no, no. We're just friends. What, what in the world does that mean? I didn't notice you were a woman. Craziness. So if you are respectful 
and, and act accordingly, then you can have a healthy relationship. But, you know, this romantic kind of It's either male-female, or it's a perversion. See, in general, mixing the genders, men and women doing things together all the time without distinction, I'm afraid it's going to lead to some very nasty consequences. Maybe hard to believe, but if men and women continue to mingle, go to school together, go to camp together, go to events together, everything, everything is together, we're going to start losing our definition. Men don't know what it's like to be men because they've always been around women. Women don't know what it is to be a woman, they're always around men. So at a young age of 11, they're already confused. But isn't there also the opposite that I think, I think there's extremes on both ends, but so, just as it might be unwise having too close connection with the opposite uh, genders uh, in all settings, also having, you can sometimes see people who are very religious who, you know, won't, literally look down as they're walking across the street and everything will be separated to it. This can be also taken to extremes the other end, would you agree? Yes. Yeah, and, and it's the same result. Yeah. So would you believe that there might come a time where men won't even know whether they are men and women won't know whether they are women? Could you imagine something like, oh, oh, it did happen. <laughs> That's the result of co-education classrooms. Even if the big thinkers, the social experts, don't encourage you to believe that men and women are the same and want the same things. Now, how do I know I'm a man? What does it even mean to be a man? And why should I be a man? Would anyone have believed, if I had predicted this, like four years ago, would anyone have believed that such a thing was possible? Here we are. There is no male, there is no female. So you can't even be a feminist or a male chauvinist. Now that's a problem, because I mean, if you can't be a chauvinist, and just stating that there is difference today is, ex is extremely controversial. No, it's extremely insane. It's the end of civilization, really. But it's not going to, I mean, it's not going to happen, of course. Sanity will kick in despite the media. We're, we're healthier than that. But let me, let me 
put a, a real clincher on this whole <clears throat> your a 50 year old husband comes home to his 50 year old wife and says we just hired a new secretary at the office she is gorgeous does that bother the wife potentially yeah so I ask every group of women, if your husband came home and said, we just hired a new secretary and she's absolutely gorgeous, bothers you? Oh, yeah. So really, what bothers you? Well, he shouldn't have said that. Oh, okay. He shouldn't have said it. No, 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 no. He shouldn't have noticed how beautiful she was. Oh, he shouldn't have noticed. Why does, I, why, why, why does she have to be gorgeous? Just a secretary. You're 50 years old. The secretary is 22. And you're competing with her. You can't live like this. Again, it's such a cruel fate. I will marry you and you will compete with every gorgeous woman I meet. Thank you very much. So now you're 50 years old, you have to get a little surgery, you have to build a little Botox and a little silicon, uh, silicon and what? I'm 50 years old and I'm threatened by a 22 year old. Why would anyone put themselves in that position? It's crazy. So of course she's on antidepressants and on anti-anxiety pills and she has to run to Pilates and to the gym and to... And by the way, a lot of young people who are single as well who fit, feel like they don't fit the bill of looking perfect. Yeah, the competition is fierce, but at least she can compete. <laughs> right. She shouldn't, of course. So... How is it possible to have the kind of marriage <clears throat> where if the husband comes home and says, the secretary is absolutely gorgeous, and the wife thinks, hmm, good for the business, and doesn't feel threatened at all. That's a marriage. And how, do we, how does an individual marriage get to such a place? And how do we as a society get to a place where we make people feel less insecure about these, these things? Well, obviously, if you marry for love and you marry for looks, well, what do you expect? But are looks not important? You have to, it's, even though it's entirely subjective, you have to feel attracted to, to your, your spouse. So there, there, so there was always going to be competition? No, I'm just saying looks are unavoidable. No, but I'm just saying looks aren't not important. The person you love always looks good. Not the most beautiful because you're not looking for that. So now take a look at the fiber of our society. There's the homecoming queen 
and there's the football hero in high school. Which I never was for the record. <laughs> you see already the cruelty of it. Yeah. Because everybody else is second class. If you're not the football hero and you're not the homecoming queen, you're dirt. <laughs> yeah. Or you're in competition. Every guy is competing with the, with the football hero and every girl is competing with the homecoming queen. So of course they hate each other. Everyone is competition. It's a nasty, ugly society we live in. All in the name of love. I go to these singles events. 50 men, 50 women at a party. Within five minutes, the most attractive guy and the most attractive woman notice each other. The rest might as well go home. It's so cruel. So this guy strikes up a conversation with a woman at the event. And every couple of seconds, he glances at the good looking woman. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I can't, I can't get to her. She's out of my league. So I'm going to talk to you. Oh, it's so nasty. <laughs> but how, how do we fix this nastiness? Is this, do we need a, a values shift? I mean, what, what would lead to a, a shift in these horrible dynamics? It's a matter of values. You know, in a society uh, where cars are very valuable, if you don't have the best looking car, you might as well kill yourself. It's not an exaggeration. So you have to convince yourself cars are not that important. Well, in your society, they are. So you got to leave your society and join another society. where brilliance is respected. Okay, but now if you're not the most brilliant, you might as well kill yourself. <laughs> How do you get away from this? In every society, if you're not the most, you might as well be dead. Unless you actually believe that God created you to be you not to be the best at anything, just to be you. And then God created for you a spouse, a soul mate, not someone you compete for, someone who is just yours. So much safer, so much healthier. It's humane. We live in a cruel world, psychologically cruel world. Yes. I was speaking to a high school years ago, years ago, 
like 40 years ago. High school. And I said, I want to make a suggestion. The social scene is very cruel. There are winners and there are losers. The losers are depressed, discouraged, disheartened. The winners are arrogant beyond belief, intolerably uh, haughty. So the whole thing is just terrible. How about for three months, no dating, no partying, and see what see what see what happens. Would you be willing to do this experiment? And they all went no. Afterwards, they were just talking to the individuals. You know, we were milling after the class was over. Every individual I spoke to said, "I, I think it's a good idea," but nobody else will. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's a good idea. But no, I'm going to say it in public. It has become a religion that you don't believe in, but you dare not admit it. It's a failure, the whole social thing. It's a failure. It was supposed to make marriages healthier, wiser, stronger. It hasn't. It hasn't. Well, I, well, I, it's, I, I, made, sorry. it's made marriage undesirable. I was actually going to ask one of my uh, last questions was about, you know, kids in high school, or early years of college dating and, you know, that's not even thinking about marriage and it's not it's not for marriage. And I know we've spoken about the the pitfalls of that. But let's say, that, you know, they're in their teens and um, Sometimes there are people, especially if they grow up in more, um, uh, you know, conservative religious circles, um, are encouraged to get just get get into marriage so they can be physical. You know, um, are there any benefits at all to people having boyfriends, girlfriends? Um, one because they want they they just have these uh, physical drives for intimacy and connection that they just just want to actualize now and. Is there anything that's good and healthy about that? Um, or do you really think, no, actually, just like some of these uh, students you spoke to, save, save it all till, till uh, you're already ready to build a life with someone? Just look, look at the facts. It's not working. It's not a theory. It's a fact. It's not working. So if boyfriend and girlfriend are two very different experiences, which they should be, if you're being a mensch, that's good. Like you're saying, the religious who can't who freak out when they see a woman, that, that's not healthy. That's obsessive, OCD. But on the other hand, you don't have a date. <gasps> you don't have a girlfriend. You're, you're nine. 
You still don't have a girlfriend? It's insane. But, you know, 16, 17, having some experience, you know, sowing your, whatever they call it, wild oats, whatever, I mean, that's probably not right. But let's say treating other person with some level of respect. It sounds like you reject that notion when it's not within the confines of dating for marriage. I'm just really asking, is there any- Sex, sex is too intimate to be experimented with. So look at what's happening. The Me Too movement. I understand that very well. You're told a thousand times a day, men and women want the same thing. Women want sex and need sex just as much as men. So a guy approaches a woman assuming that she wants sex, just like him. And she hauls him off to court and has him arrested. What's going on? The Me Too movement proves that the whole theory is, is, is destructive. No, I am not a guy. And no, you cannot make off-color jokes with me. Well, why not? It's funny. <clears throat> yeah, but you're a guy and I'm a woman. And <clears throat> it's abusive. It's a violation. It's offensive. Really? I thought we were the same. That's what I was told in high school. All through college. And now if I, if I touch you inappropriately, you're all freaked out. What's wrong with you? So it has created such an unnatural and unhealthy lifestyle that anyone that is still sane is going to freak out. So if a guy touches a woman inappropriately and she slaps him, she should go to jail. What, you can't enjoy a little sex? What's wrong with you? That should be the outcome of the way we are raised and taught and brainwashed. Why? What's wrong? You're not going to get pregnant. So what's the problem? Let's have some fun. That's, that's the fallout. It's just not a livable lifestyle. So men are so intimidated, so emasculated by this confusion that it drives women crazy and then they become aggressive and they're not feminine anymore because they need to take charge and they hate it. The whole thing is just completely messed up. I really think it is actually one of the biggest problems we have in society today and most people don't even know it. They don't even realize it. So two final questions I wanna ask before we finish. First question is a question that often comes up as a, a legitimate question um, when people are seriously dating for marriage, which is a question of finance. If a guy says, I, 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 lo I love this person or I feel that this person could be my wife um, and, uh, but I, and I'm, I'm, re I'm ready to build a family, but I, I want to spend a bit more time developing my career because I, want to, I don't think I can provide for her or for a family yet. One, is that legitimate? And two, on the other side, 
if let's say uh, a girl let's say wants to focus on be being a mother and, and might say I'm not sure I'm not confident enough yet that this guy can provide for me um, is is that legitimate it's not nice to fool mother nature and you don't get away with it it's like there are certain foods that upset your stomach but if you take a certain pill an antacid it will allow your stomach to tolerate food that isn't good for it isn't that brilliant don't you want to do it now take a pill so that you can eat foods that are not good for you don't tamper with nature birth control pills are not healthy they're not healthy in so many ways. First of all, you're fooling the body. Somebody said chewing gum is unhealthy because the stomach is expecting some food and it never comes. So your whole digestive system gets confused. And then when you need to digest, it thinks, oh no, it's just, it's just gum. It's just chewing gum. Uh, it messes up your whole digestion. Stop fooling with Mother Nature unnecessarily. So you're going to get married, you're going to be intimate, but you're going to take birth control pills. What does that do to the body? In fact, people, some experts are worried just getting married so late in life is devastating to the body. A 12-year-old girl is producing the hormones and, the, and all, all that it takes to make a baby. But there's not going to be a baby month after month after month, year after year after year. It's not healthy. Stop messing with the body. Stop messing with nature. So when you're married, but you don't want to have children, what, what kind of start is that? A lot of couples think that birth control may be necessary for one's health. But don't mess with your body arbitrarily. So if the woman says, no, I, I want to have a baby. That is one of the most powerful urges in nature. You say, no, not yet. I, I can't afford it. Not nice. Years and years ago, I remember this woman was beside herself because she had to have a hysterectomy. And she was crying, she was sobbing, and, and she says, to add insult to, to injury, I told the doctor, the surgeon, I told him that I was depressed. And he said, why? The surgery went very well. 
<laughs> how, how out of touch with nature and reality can you get? You don't understand why she's depressed? Well, the surgery went well. Yeah, that surgery took her uterus. Yeah, but it was all very well, you know, great. Did I, I did a very good job. Where we, we insist on being natural and then do everything unnaturally. Food is unnatural, sex is unnatural, having babies is unnatural, nothing is natural anymore. But we insist that we're living by nature, not by religion. We follow nature. No, you don't. You mess with nature all the time. So are you saying from this that finance should not be a concern? And what about, let's just say, a guy before he's even entangled in a relationship or, or a girl, and they're just saying, I'm not dating right now. I want to pursue my career more, finance, be more stable. That's a little more humane. I'm not going to marry you and tell you to go on an anti-pregnancy pill. So we'll wait until I'm financially stable and then I'll marry you. But I'm not, I'm not going to make you pay for my insecurities. But the truth is, God provides all the time. So if you're not making enough for a baby, it's because you don't have one. When you have the baby, you will make enough for the baby too. Why would God give you extra when you don't need it? Takes, there's always a question of Hishtad Lut and what is sensible and unacceptable risk. The risk is there no matter what you do. Finances are always unpredictable. The risk is always, there is no such thing as guaranteed financial stability. I mean, look what's happening today. The billionaires in Russia are suddenly penniless. Yeah. They thought it would never happen. But I'm saying, is it, and is it also legitimate for as one partner to say, you know, I, I want a certain level of lifestyle or, you know, just to really feel like, not necessarily to marry the person for their money, but to know that they will be able to provide. Is that, an, un, is that um, a legitimate uh, desire, request, want, or is that because of the, the, the volatility of earning money, is that somewhat not so appropriate? It, it is it is reasonable it is but marriage is not marriage is not a reasonable proposition so you might as well go for it i heard dennis prager say once he said when some, when couples ask me this they say they're just concerned about finances he said i don't get it so just be poor together 
my, my final question, Rabbi, and I'm so grateful for your time, um, is this very question that society finds so controversial, men and women, and obviously we want equal rights and all that kind of stuff, but in terms of dif difference by nature, uh, the whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing. Final question, which I think can probably shed light on everything you've said, how would you define what what is the characteristics what makes up a man and what what makes up and what is a woman a man is a giver a man is an achiever he judges himself and he experiences himself based on what he can accomplish a woman is a receiver a nurturer. She is who she is, doesn't depend on what she achieves. And because she is more centered, more um, more stable in her identity, she can be a nurturer. Men are too busy trying to become something to be true nurturers. But women are a finished product. They don't need to create themselves or recreate themselves. And so they're available for nurturing. A man's greatest pleasure comes from the fact that he gave something himself and it was received a woman's greatest pleasure is when she can trust and be secure so that she can nurture you unconditionally in other words let you into her life unconditionally the power of nurturing is awesome Women are much more powerful than men when they're being women. They are not as powerful as men when they're being men. So that, that, that is the fundamental difference between the yin and the yang. The giving and the receiving. And when it says uh, in the Torah that God, male and female, God created them, does that also mean that within a man and a woman, there are both male and female elements? Yes. But you're saying that... that... Otherwise, we would be unable to relate to each other at all. But when we blur those lines, when we go 50-50, you're 50% male, 50% woman, and there are no men and there are no women and we're just a big mess. And should we take the, both men and women, take the female approach, the receiving approach, when we're relating to God? Yes. In our relationship with God, God is the giver, we are the receiver. That's why we refer to God as he. Because we are the she. 
But when you talk also about God, uh, and I don't want to get too much into theology for that, for we can do it another time, but you, when you talk about God needing us, there's also, that implies also some level of receiving on his end too. We need each other, the man and the woman, the male and the female need each other to become complete. But we do it in very different ways. We become complete when we're merged. But to merge, the man has to be a giver and the woman has to be the receiver. If we're both giving, there's going to be conflict all the time. If we're both receptive, nothing is ever going to happen. So we're after the same end goal, oneness. But we get there very different ways. So it turns out <coughs> the good old fashioned way is simply real. The, the concocted world that we came up with is just So this, these conversations are very important. They are. Life-changing and sometimes life-saving. Well, that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation and we look forward to distributing it far and wide. Um, Rabbi, thank you so much for joining us on JTV, for being such a friend and a mentor to, uh, to me and friend to the channel. Um, I, I, when it, sometimes when I share some of your ideas or one-liners with one of my friends, Eddie, he always says, oh my gosh, this is too much wisdom. <laughs> it's like a wisdom overdose. Um, but uh, if you want more of a, of a daily dose of wisdom, you can uh, order Rabbi Freeman's latest book, which um, I think he co-authored called Creating a Life That Matters. I think there's a lot on this whole section of uh, dating and marriage covered within that book, as well as um, matters of religion and theology. Um, Rabbi, thank you so much again for your time and uh, look forward to the next one. Be well. Thank you.